0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've only got one of my co-hosts with me today. I'm going to go ahead and introduce him first, and then we'll jump into the extra bit, because I'm really excited about the extra bit. So, with us today is Joe Perez. Hey Joe, how's it going?
1: It's going well. I have survived the mechanic boss today, so all is right in the world.
0: Did you get your car fixed? Because we were talking about this a little bit like before the show yeah. started, that your car had a boo-boo.
1: Yeah, my my car was sick, and it took about seven hours to repair it, and it was a sad day, but it's Ooh. all better now. So F- Finn the Second is now back on the road.
0: Well, there we go. So we have Joe with us today. Rossi is not with us today because he's like mid-move right now, so he couldn't... Well, he maybe could have made it, but he wasn't sure. He didn't know if he'd had internet or not. So I said, you know what, Rossi, just go ahead and take this week off. It's fine. And instead, I found us another co-host, just a guest host, guest host for the day. If you're at all familiar with the YouTube series, The Lost Codex, you will, this name will be very familiar. This is Jesse O'Connor. Hey, Jesse. Hi. Hello. You get to be our very first guest on Lore Watch, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> we haven't had Wait, a guest host before.
1: I was going to say, you guys have never had a guest host before?
0: We have never had a guest before, not to well, my knowledge. Well, no, technically,
1: technically we did. We had Mitch stand in one time, but he doesn't count. It's Mitch.
0: Mitch is from Blizzard Watch, though. Not the same exactly. thing at all. You're our first non-site already writing for us guest.
2: That's <laughs> exciting. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm even more excited. I legit not did not know that until now.
0: Well, hey, how's it going?
2: It's going well. The, uh, the BlizzCon hype train is on, and oh, that's all I can say, is just breathe audibly.
0: Speaking of the BlizzCon hype train, today we're actually, we're going to be, we're not addressing emails or anything, we're going to be talking about some stuff that was dead of mind over the weekend, and some stuff that was kind of uncovered over the weekend, as it were. So, I'm going to put in this disclaimer right now for people that are maybe avoiding that kind of information until BlizzCon actually hits. If you don't want any potential spoilers whatsoever, and if you want to like avoid any kind of data mine material or anything like that, you may want to duck out now and just come back like after BlizzCon to go ahead and listen to this one because we're going to be speculating about what the next expansion is going to be. We're going to be talking about all of this data mine stuff and we're going to be going completely off the rails because that's what we do here. Um, So this is your final warning. Thanks. Get out. Bye. (laughs) For those of you that are sticking around though, hey wow, there was a whole bunch of stuff that that was kind of uncovered over the past couple of days. Um, And I think Let's talk about first. Let's talk about the the first thing that was uncovered here because this is this is a little weird, and I don't know what to make of it. But it kind of has interesting implications, not necessarily from a lore perspective, although maybe it does. I don't know. Um, people were digging around in the files for Legion and and looking around at stuff and data mining as you do, and I don't know how you do that because I don't do it, but I do read the sites that do this kind of thing. What they discovered was that we're looking at possibly having four playable sub-races in the next expansion, and I don't really know what to make of that, but the four races that were mentioned were... The Nightborn, which I'm really excited about because how long have I been saying, please, God, just make the Nightborn playable? <laughs> uh, we also have the Lightforged Draenei, and the Lightforged Draenei were just introduced with the Argus patch. They are the dudes that are hanging out on the Vindigar um, and the Xenadar, and Argus itself. The big Draenei with the glowing eyes and the echoey voices, those are the Lightforged ones. They're the ones that have been fighting for th- with the Army of the Light for however long. High Mountain Torin. Which mm-hmm. I mean, if you've played in High Mountain at all, you know who the High Mountain Torren are. Um, and then Void Elf. I don't know what Void mm-hmm. Elf is. Do the, the the only I have an idea. Well, the only thing that I have that's kind of like the only thing that we've seen that kind of leans towards that theory is that obviously Alaria at the end of the Seat of the Triumvirate dungeon, mm-hmm. she goes all Hoover on the naru that's in there and then she goes all voidy and then it cuts out and then we don't hear anything else about it <laughs> but it's like okay well what she has is it catching like what what's going on well,
1: here? <laughs> i i think this has to tie in with the Nightborn a little bit or at least that's my speculation on it because one of the things that i found really really interesting about 7.3 is that silgrin is is with us and he's observing everything that is going on. He is seeing everything that is going on, and he's not just some, like, chump elf that's like, I'm really good with a bow. He is a master of ley line and all sorts of weird arcane technologies. I could totally see him seeing something that Illyria does in whatever she does after consuming all that void and going, that's new, that's interesting, that's really intriguing. There's also some other tidbits later, like, With Illyria talking about how we go back to like the the audio drama where, you know, the army of light is very, very blinded. What if there needs to be an army of void? What if Illyria goes recruiting with the Locust Walker? Like I could totally see that happening. And Nightborn, these creatures who, you know, are being brought into the fold after thousands of years of being out there like. And, and we can assume, you know, seeing the savior of the universe happening because we're the good guys and we save everything. That's what happens. Kinsane going, you know what? I want to be a part of this. This seems like it's right up my alley. So I can totally see Nightborn walking the path of the void because it seems to fit that sort of archetype really, really, really well.
0: OK, Jesse, I want to know what you think about void elves.
2: <coughs> void elves. Um, all right. Here's my thoughts on it. Okay. Uh, for a while, and I think we talked about this at our trip in in June. Um, how how they can how they can pull off sub races, and this was this was before we knew anything about Argus. We hadn't even seen the Kill Jaden seven point two cinematic. At the
0: no, time. that hadn't even come out yet at that point. No,
2: but Terran was teasing us, and we were we were itching for to know what happened. So he we, we didn't know anything about Argus. We didn't know anything about elves or void elves or anything. Um, and so a, a theory I've had with playable races is that if they ever gave us high elves which would be reskinned blood elves the biggest question is what alliance race can they offer the horde in a reskinned format often when i discuss this people people say dark iron but i'm like no they made they went out of the way to reaffirm moira's position on the council of three hammers and ever since legions launch i thought well nightborn used the same base skeleton as night elves so what if Alliance got High Elves reskinned to Blood Elves, and Horde got Nightborn reskinned Night Elves. But there's a little bit of a difference, and the thing is, Nightborn have a little bit of a different model than Night Elves. They're still the same base skeleton, but they have, you know, glowy runic tattoos, and they'd obviously have to redo the model completely because the current Nightborn model can't actually equip armor. Um, no, but it's, it's it,
0: pretty much like molded with the armor
2: on. hundred percent. It's 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 totally three D assets. While high elves are literally just reskinned blood elves, so after seeing this void elf thing, I thought, what if void elves are just high elves who have joined up with Illyria's side, thus allowing you know the nightborn can be reskinned night elves, so it allows horde players to be a night elf with slightly different features, glowy runic tattoos, bull-
1: pirate ghosts
2: like that. And I realized language—we're not allowed to swear on this. I'm sorry.
1: Yes, no, that's oh, okay. Ship.
2: Um,
0: I'll just bleep you out with a Rossi saying pirate ghost. It's an audio file. I have it. Don't worry.
2: Excellent. I'm going to swear more often now. Just so no, do not. Please don't. <laughs> I will. I will.
1: If you want to call down the wrath of Anne, that's on you, friend. I will. I will sing songs at your, your funeral.
0: Look, I've got some Star Trek to watch after I'm done editing this podcast. So the longer you make me edit, the crankier I'm going to be. <laughs> Okay, Um, so I want to, what I want to hear though, Jesse, is, I mean, obviously this is all like from a mechanic standpoint, okay, you'd want to give like equal models, like you want to give the Alliance a Horde model and you want to give the Horde an Alliance model. Okay, I can see that. That's like a mechanic standpoint. But what I'm thinking here is that the Nightborn, in particular, for me, it always felt like, and I wrote a Know Your Lore about this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about the Nightborne as, as a potential playable race where I said it makes sense for them to be a neutral faction like, like the Pandaren, honestly because they have been helped by both Alliance and Horde. Like champions from yeah. both sides came in and helped these guys out and helped them retake their city and helped them like rebuild what they were so it stands to reason that in the event that they were going to join one side or the other They would choose one instead of, like, just automatically siding with one side over the other, although that conversation on the Vindicar does kind Mm -hmm. of lend itself towards the Horde. To me, I looked at that conversation and said, oh, okay, this is the justification that we needed for them to join the Horde because we already have the alliance connection there. Obviously, these guys were night elves they're like ancient night elves. They're like a remnant of lost night elf civilization. So there's already like a connection there established for the alliance that they could follow if they wanted to. But they didn't have that kind of connection with the Horde. But, you know, I guess I could see them going Horde. I think it's a little odd that they would make that choice. And I hope that it is justified if this is actually correct. Because, again, this is all data, my material. We don't even know if it's accurate. Um, well,
1: with Illyria coming back, though, I, I think what Jesse's thought talked about a little bit earlier makes sense. Like, I could totally see, you know, the real, true Highborn coming back, or or whatever the case is, and and going back to the Alliance because it makes sense. That's where their roots are. That's where, you know, they they all sort of had their thing the going. blood elves
0: are not over there. Um, but but the what I want to know, what I want to know from from Jesse here, though, as far as a lore perspective. What is a Void Elf? What do you think a Void Elf is, and where does that fit in lore-wise?
2: I think the Void Elves... and I, I can't help but tie my thought to the We're
0: just going to make it. it all up here as we go, so just go off the rails, it's okay. That's I think the
2: Void here. Elves are going to be a remnant of the High Elves. I think that the small percentage of High Elves that are left, Illyria is going to come back, and I think, you know, it's a possibility it could be several types of Elves, or it could be Night Elf, Void Elves, and Blood Elf Void Elves, I, but I think it's going to be high elves to give them a new aesthetic, but also Illyria bringing back, you know what? The arcane didn't work out. The fell didn't work out with the blood elves here. Here's a new, here's a new thing. Here's a new thing that I've been working with. And she's going to show that, or seemingly show maybe with Locus Walker that she's in control. The thing with the shadow guard in, in, in Macari that Locust Walker notes is they're experimenting. They're trying to create stuff and he's kind of like rolling his eyes at them. So maybe Locus Walker decides to help Illyria out, as uh, Joe said earlier, in recruiting, in making, you know, maybe the Shadow Guard was on to something, but they're sloppy. They're, they're not good at what they do, and the Locust Walker, who's clearly better at everything than the other Ethereals, because he makes them sound like completely incompetent, maybe he kind of takes their idea and his best student and makes a new faction of these Void Elves, which are going to be Illyria's people uh the remaining high elves and maybe that actually makes a splinter group of Varisa high elves versus i was gonna say
0: how do you think varissa is going to feel about that because varissa is kind of like the de facto leader of the remnants of the high elves right now and she has been since wrath
2: she has been so if if her sister comes if her sister comes back after just pirate ghosts talking sylvanas on the vindicar
0: okay and then they and then they make
2: oh i'm sorry (laughs) and then they make they make the void elves uh, I don't think she's going to.
1: I don't think she's going to be too happy. See, I'm wondering too along that lines if something could happen with that where the c- confrontation between all three sisters is sort of the crux of that split, right? Because you have one who will never accept that her sister has, you know, joined the horde least of all, leads the Horde. Uh, and the other sister still has this sense of optimism that things can be fixed. Um, and then
0: you have Sylvanas, and Sylvanas, the last time we heard her inner thoughts, was at the end of War Crimes, where she said she would never, ever, ever love again.
1: Right. So you you have this weird split where each all three of them could go their separate ways, and it would make perfect sense. So I could totally see what you're saying, where like maybe the Highborn come back into the fold, and then they split Different ways, where you know, Verisa goes one way, Valeria go- or Valeria goes the other way, and Sylvanas goes back to doing her queen things because you know she does
0: as you do. Okay, High Mountain Torin makes sense. I'm cool with that. Lightforged Renai, I, I guess that makes you know that kind of makes sense too. Because the thing is, is like when we're done with this whole Argus thing, presumably we win or you know come to some kind of conclusion logical conclusion there and if we do come to some kind of logical conclusion then the army of the light what are they going to do well okay they could go back with velin and follow the draenei okay i can see that happening um however i do have to point out that we have an entire civilization of draenei draenei over on Dranor, excuse me mm-hmm that were like hey if you ever need us give us a call and they're still there like we've never called them we could have called them and we never did so
2: triggered I'm
0: I'm you can't see me, but I've got like my hands. I'm like gesturing at the screen, right? I'm just so like so. Blizzard,
1: we'll we'll throw you that one for free. Like that's a thread that we'd like to see a pull on, maybe just a little bit. You know I that meme it's...
0: that's out there with like the little rodent where it's just like dramatically sticking out its hands and like gesturing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I'm like,
1: hello. <laughs> the only the only thing that upsets me a little bit about the four uh, playable sub class uh, sub races. Is that there's one that would be, in my opinion, very very simple to implement from the alliance side that we still haven't gotten, which is wildhammer dwarves. And yeah, I'm really how did curious I know why you those were aren't gonna... a thing. Yeah, be- I, I because you I'm you a dwarf were at say heart. That. <laughs> I thought you, it's you like, were going to say that. Of course I was, but I mean like, it's a start. Like I would love to see these. Like I've been calling for High, high Mountain Torn as a playable thing from since the moment I saw them and grew in love a with their A lot of people have been calling for Tonka
0: for a very, very long time. Yes.
2: Problem um, with the problem with Tonka though is uh, they're flat. Well, they're flat. But the Tonka models also are Toren bodies with giant weird. Heads on them.
1: Yeah, they is. almost look
2: like they almost look like Halloween mask heads. Almost they do. Tonka males can't actually wear helms in game. Like they just did. It, yep, it's not doable. But to go off your Wildhammer comment, uh I think that these four these four previews are just whether whether it's Blizzard toying with us or not. I, I think if, if it is an accidental accidental leak, I think there's more that we're not seeing because Wildhammers would be so easy to implement. You
0: think this is Dark the tip Irons, of the iceberg?
2: Well oh, Dark Irons are definitely. Dark Iron Dark Iron models are technically already in the
1: game and they have been for a while. So you can make a dwarf that that fits the profile of the Dark Iron because you could give them the right skin
0: color and face. Mechanically
1: and mechanically they use the same models as the player characters since classic, right? Like they, that's always been a thing. They just had different skin and they made that definitely a thing in Cata uh, where you can make yourself a dark iron, so that that
2: technically is already there. With well, the the skin that's a dark iron is it's very like light gray, but it the eyes aren't like pitch red, right? No. So if if you go into the wild model viewer, sure. there is actually three dark iron models or skins rather that are exclusive to just the dark mm-hmm. irons, and then the wild hammers have about i'm actually in the i'm actually in the model viewer right now uh i'll pull this up in in a second like
1: 15 or 16 don't they or something yeah they
2: do Uh dwarves themselves have 26 different skins um and i'm playing with them now and the wild hammers have are broken so i can't even see that there's about five to six wild hammer skins just for npcs
0: and they are so, the tattooed skins.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those are the tattooed skins So they have anything from like forehead to cheek to eyes tattoos on even the chest legs and arms. Even though we never see a wild hammer without pants on, there are tattoos underneath those pants. Um, and I think that wild hammers would be such an easy subrace to introduce, make more tattoos, make a couple new features maybe feather beard, you know, feathers in the beard or feather braids or something like that, special mohawks and Bam! Mm-hmm. We got we got Wildhammer, and then for the Dark Irons, the Dark Iron sub races, they have different beard colors or different beard decorations. Or
0: and I feel like something. we can't talk about the dwarves without talking about the orcs because the Maghar are an mm-hmm. obvious choice, like a, a, as a sub race, the Maghar, and or the orcs of old Draenor, um, the brown skin models. Uh, there are a lot of them out there. When we went through that whole model revamp. In Warlords, the orcs were all, all of their models mm-hmm. were upgraded, including the Mag'har. So it seems it's a good like,
1: opportunity to pull them in, especially if we right. reach out to our, our allies on Draenor. Like, it would be a great Either way Either on say, Draenor yep, or even,
0: even just, you know, on Outland, see if we can pull them in, that kind of thing. Um, there aren't many left on Outland, but hey, there's a whole planet of them on, on Draenor that we could be, you know, incorporating into the Horde, because why not? Um. Although I think that honestly, given our history with what went down on Draenor, maybe we don't want all of those guys. Maybe just like the Frost Wolves, because <laughs> they were okay. They were okay. But like the, you the know. ones we
1: know, we vetted them.
0: Gramoshin and, and and the others, they can stay put. That's fine. You guys just do your thing on your planet and stay off of ours. But like. You know, the frost gonna, are cool. We're cool with them.
2: I'm, I'm going to chime in here, uh, because with the new orc models, um, if you're looking at the orc while model viewer, there's orc models, male and female, and then there's something called orc male shadow moon and orc female shadow moon, and these have been in the files since Warlords. Yeah. And they're basically regular orc models that can't—they re- can't be customized, so their faces can't be changed, the hair color can't be changed, but their pants, gloves, and boots are automatically skinned to the shadow moon armor the shadow moon armor that was put in game um the purple and and blue the purple and blue and there's actually a a skin um several skins as well that they have that are like grayish sort of a gray uh caster skin and then there's all the um uh what's that clan called the laughing the laughing skull they've got um, there's the laughing
0: skull and then there should be the black rock ones are going to be the gray skinned ones in there
2: yeah the laughing skull have all like the uh the mar- like the scarification and the the bone going through the flesh, and then there's a there as you said the uh, the black rock skin. So like there's four different options right there for orcs alone that aren't crazy difficult to implement. Like at least and they've all
0: been updated. They've all been updated. That. Um, that's the thing is like the Tonka. Okay, I can see maybe not adding the Tonka because the Tonka models were never really updated. But at the same also... time. Why not put them in there? There are so many offshoots of Torian tribes out there because oh, yeah. there's the Tonka, and then there's the Yngol from Pantaria too. Um, so, do you guys think that this is the tip of the iceberg, or do you think it's just going to be these four and that's it?
1: I think in order to to, I hate to say it like this, but to generate renewed interest in your character in the player base, I think this is just the tip. And like we're talking about all these other sub races, even undead have the. Uh, And uh, Forsaken, excuse me, have the recently deceased models, what I like to call it, where it's, you know, slightly more human, like almost all of the races that are currently in game have viable sub races that some of the player base has been asking for and all have story or lore threads that you can pull on to justify their inclusion. Some have already been established over the course of several expansions, Uh, and some we can, like like you mentioned, like calling on our allies from Draenor. They flat out said, we'll be here when you need us. Well, we're about to do some shenanigans that are probably going to dwarf whatever we just did on another planet. I, I
0: thought that maybe we would need them, like, you know, now since we're dealing with the Burning Legion, which actually sure. wouldn't have been a problem on our world except that we were busy saving Draenor. And when we saved Draenor, we accidentally screwed up our own planet. Mm-hmm. So you would think that they would, like, do us a solid and come help us out since we came and helped them out, but no. Again, I'm making the gesture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... um that's kind of fascinating we're not sure where that's going to go exactly i'm not sure what kind of lore is going to be involved with this if it's just a sub race do you think it's something that we're just going to select on a screen or do you think it's going to be something where we actually have a starting zone of some sort and do you think Mm -hmm. these guys are going to start at level one or do you think that they're going to start at 110 and move up from there like with i don't know the demon hunters this expansion
2: Uh, i sorry go ahead joe
1: I was going to say, I think that they could go either way with a lot of these, and I think that most of them are going to be just character model skins, not necessarily whole new races that are added, and I think that you'll just be able to, you know, choose that
2: when you choose that that class, so to speak. That race.
0: What do you think, Jesse?
2: I think if they're going to make it into a whole uh, expansion uh, feature that playable... The playable races will have zones, and... We saw with Legion, they're starting to, especially scenarios, the scenario technology has evolved over the years, and with like the Exodar scenario, right? that was really cool to go to an invading city and and to help Velen and to help everyone in the Exodar scenario, when they took an entire city and turned it into a scenario. So I'd like to see them do that on a larger scale, um, and give us zones, whether it's only 10 levels or so, it's a very small amount of levels, maybe we start at level 100, 100, 105, and they're like, instead of Hero classes, their hero races, it's a new feature kind of. Um
0: Demon hunters, did they start at one ten or did they start at one oh nine? I can't remember.
2: They started at ninety seven and then they leveled. Or not one ten,
0: excuse me. Yeah, they started at one hundred. So they would have started mm-hmm. at ninety eight or ninety seven? Somewhere
2: somewhere around there, yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm wondering, will we get some kind of introductory thing like we did with the Demon Hunters, where it's just one little isolated place, you play through it, and then boom, you're level 100, and then you go jo- join the main storyline.
2: It would make sense, right? Yeah. My like, The thing I keep going back to, I would love to see, and this is all something I would love to see, but on the Wildhammer topic, I would love to see Twilight Highlands, an instance Twilight Highlands, post-cataclysm, yep. so updated, what have the Wildhammer been doing since then? what do we do in that zone for the for the first couple levels and then when the wild hammer player leaves that zone whatever happens in the storyline if you blow something up or you end up changing the zone that zone is like that for the rest of the world in the open open concept because i i do think we're going to get a couple of zone revamps and that's a whole other topic sure. but they could easily take instanced versions of twilight twilight highlands or are called the wild hammer highlands now or Suramar, or the outskirts of I was going to say, I
0: want to see, and I've been saying this, ugh, I want to see a Suramar starting zone where you're playing the opposite. It's like you're playing the mirror image of what we already played through at 110, where when see, you start out, you're a citizen of Suramar, and these invaders from, like, the rest of Azeroth are coming in and trying to help out with this rebellion thing, and you're helping them from the inside.
2: would be pretty dope. Yeah. Now, this is also a good
1: opportunity to do something that I have been begging for <laughs> for years, which is a lot of these sub races would have the ability to show what happens in the aftermath of our escapades, because so often we just go from crises to crises and we don't look back on what happened. So like the yeah, wild like, hello, a great example the, for that,
0: the the veil You're, of eternal blossoms yeah. is still like there's one tree in it. <laughs>
1: But, like, it would be nice to go back and, like, you know, see, well, there's a bunch of old god bits everywhere, so we should probably clean those up. And then what what kind of effect does that have on the local, you know, fauna and, and, and flora and stuff like that? I think that would be really cool. Suramar is another thing, too. Like, Suramar has to rebuild. And so the give High us...
0: Mountain, like, the High Mountain are back together They again. also have to rebuild. Yeah, there was a whole thing with that zone where you know, you had like this big triumphant finale to it and then you didn't really hear anything from the High Mountain after that. What have they been Mm -hmm. up to? Maybe we're going to find out now. The Void Elf thing really has me kind of thrown for a loop here though because I'm like, Void Elves, Huh. And the only thing that I can think of that makes sense is what you guys were already saying was that Alaria, maybe she's decided that, because I mean you know it it, it kind of goes back to that audio drama because when you go into the audio drama there and she's she's looking into the void and what she sees the whole thing about how the light sees one path and that's the true path and the void sees all paths and all paths are the truth as far as the void is concerned and it's somewhere in between that you find the actual like concept of reality and Alaria was able to kind of filter that because she came from both sides and she's seen both sides so it stands to reason that maybe she'd want to teach that to other people like more people
1: Oh, yeah, and I could totally see her raising an army because that's exactly what she would do. She knows that a fight's coming. She knows that there's a fight that you have to prepare for. She says this in the audio drama. Yeah. That why would we not prepare for the fight that comes after the fight we're in when we can? And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but, like, it would make perfect sense for her to blip out and and raise an army of willing people. And we've already seen with demon hunters, that's not a difficult task. Elves are very much a, a, a race of, like, yeah, I kind of want my revenge, or I will do whatever I need to do to make what needs to happen, happen. So, like, it's not that far of a stretch from what happened with, de- with Demon Hunters that what could happen with Void Elves. She pops up, hey, that really stunk what happened with all this stuff, right? Well, I got a proposition for you. See this really cool bow that fires this concentrated darkness and obliterates what I could teach you how to do that. Would you like to do that? You know, like, I could totally see her doing that.
0: So... Let's move on a little bit from the sub races topic, because the sub-racist topic is pretty interesting. But the other big thing that came out, and Jesse, I really want to hear your take on this. Um, We knew that Christy Golden was going to be writing another Warcraft novel. We hadn't heard anything else about it. Somebody on Amazon found the book and what we have is we have a title and a very small description the title is before the storm this book is supposedly it's tentatively set to release on may 15th 2018 but as with all amazon dates we don't know if that's a final date or not they can change it time. uh The synopsis for the book is very short. It just says, Taking place after the climactic events of Shadows of Argus, World of Warcraft Before the Storm tells the story of what awaits the heroes of the Horde and the Alliance in the wake of their struggle against the demonic Burning Legion. That's it. That's all we got. We got a title. We got a little thing. So, uh, Jesse, Before the Storm, what do you think that means?
2: (laughs) Oh, well, I don't even know where to start. You and I, we all all talked about this in, in June, and I think it's just stirring the pot with uh, everyone assuming Jara and Colteras and all that. Um, I think it's we're allowed to talk about post seven point three spoilers, like what's happening in point seven
0: point three point two. Uh... We've.
2: Uh... Do we know? Do we not know? We
0: have not talked about any of that yet, about the data mine stuff. Maybe we should talk about that. Um, We did put all kinds of, like, spoiler warnings on this show. I was just going to say that, yeah. we can pretty much talk about that kind of stuff. Um, Data mine material, again, you guys, if you don't want to hear about any data data mine material or anything like that, then you should come back later. So 7.3.2, there was some PTR stuff that was found in particular after what happens in antorus the burning throne um the the aftermath of that and um one of the things that is added is something in silithus which is weird uh, called silithus the wound and it's an angry Mm -hmm. gash in the zone um and cadgar is there cadgar has a bit of dialogue uh saying that Sargeras has done something like his final spiteful act he did something to Azeroth Azeroth is wounded there's something terrible going on maybe we're going to fix it maybe we aren't, we don't know but presumably this is going to lead into the next expansion um, Silithus is kind of an interesting location because obviously, you know, old gods ahoy uh, remnants of G'Thun are still hanging out there we know that so yeah, Jesse, I'm sorry, continue is that is that what you were re- referencing? I'm assuming.
2: Uh, pretty much. Uh, can I say what uh, Sargeras does to Silithus, like specifically, or are we avoiding that?
0: because
2: um, it was kind of, uh, kind of leaked on the Blizzard BlizzCon store. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did.
0: I did not.
2: Okay, can I can I say it?
0: You can you can say. I mean, we put out the spoiler warning, so All go right. ahead.
2: So on and th- someone someone messed up bad. Uh, On the Sargeras shirt, uh, I'll have to find a screenshot of it, but it pretty much insinuates uh, that Sargeras' final act is he throws his sword at Azeroth, and his sword is what he stabs into Silithus. So basically that wound is going to be Sargeras's massive sword sticking out of the -hmm. earth. And that penetrates uh, and punctures a hole in our Titan, and she starts to bleed rapidly. And the shirt pretty much says that. Like the description of the shirt, sorry, not that I shouldn't say it's on the shirt, but like it's the description or something that says after Sargeras. The store description. okay. Yeah. And then someone was like, uh, this this isn't public knowledge. And it vanished about an hour later. I'm going to try to find a picture while you guys talk. Give me a (laughs) sec.
1: Well, you want to go in? Because I'm going to go on a wild tangent once I start talking about this, because this all ties into that thing I was talking to you about. I'm
2: here. Sorry. I like the picture. Um. So my <laughs> thought. Oh, sorry. I see it. <laughs> okay. Uh, my uh my thoughts on it were. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's pretty blatant. The, and
2: that got somebody, taken away. Like,
0: somebody got a severe talking to you about that one, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah. How do you think that ties into the whole, I, I mean, I'm assuming that, that the wound in the world and everything, that's what you're talking about with the whole. 7.3.2 before the storm tie in whatever
2: so i think that um knowing or coming from that shirt and coming from what's data mined and just th- all the little suggestions i think the the storm before the storm definitely there's going to be a, some the, some high seas action and i think the storm doesn't necessarily mean like an actual storm like it could be but i, I don't think that i think that the world is going to scramble and and actually this isn't any speculation kadgar says this in his dialogue in the seven point three point two stuff is mm-hmm. uh the forces of uh, there are forces on Azeroth that are going to scramble to to move for this lifeblood this lifeblood they a small droplet we, we players get a very small droplet from Argus and it's the most powerful thing ever and so kadgar says like if one single droplet of a defeated titan or a tortured titan does this much damage how much will a growing titan or not not yet developed titan do and he goes there, there's gonna be a lot of people moving in on this uh on this buffet right here so i think the storm it's just it's obviously or to me ajara is going to be a number one player factor the last time there was a gaping wound uh in our world soul the uh the well of eternity came into place so this might be ajara's well 2.0 a second opportunity for her that's what i got from him when i first read that title uh, before the storm
0: Joe I'm gonna let you go off on your tangent here because I I just had a moment of an oh wait uh uh-oh but um I want to hear because you've you've been thinking about stuff and and like for for quite some time here you've been kind of thinking about stuff just stuff that we've talked about on previous episodes and whatnot and um I want to hear You've got some kind of grand, amazing theory. And Jesse, feel free to jump in and interrupt (laughs) him and ask him questions and or offer your input while he's going on and talking about this, because that's what we do here. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so...
1: I'm going to walk this back to a long time ago when we started talking about the artifact weapons for Legion. And this is when we were talking about them, uh, one of our earlier episodes. And it was one specific voice line from a very specific weapon that has been running in my brain for months to find him drown yourself in a circle of stars. Now... I assure you this all ties into what we just talked about. Let me get there for you. So the first thing that came to mind is that in Deep Home way back in Kata, there is that circle of stars when you look up at the ceiling where Deathwing punched through uh, basically the elemental prison, but burst through the maelstrom and back into Azeroth. That same circle is also visible from the heart of Azeroth and the maelstrom in Legion, the exact same one and you have to take in mind the maelstrom is where the original well of eternity was which we know was a wound caused by the ripping out of an old god by a titan a wound of pure titan essence also interestingly enough in the spirit where
0: Azeroth's blood was merrily spilling out onto the planet yes uh that sounds familiar
1: It does, doesn't it? Um, The other thing to, to note about that, too, is in the spirit world, and this is kind of an interesting thing, when you're dead, look up. We talk about that vortex, but if you look at the pinnacle of the vortex and you actually take the gamma down, there's a very, very similar circle that sits there at the very top of that vortex. Yes, folks, I actually went through and messed with my settings to see what I could find there, and that thing's been there since classic. So... The interesting thing about that to me is now with some of the spoilers that we found or some of the data mining stuff is this is the same type of circle of stars that we see behind Agrimar in the throne where the world soul of Argus is imprisoned. This is the same type of circle of stars that we see in the Coven of Shavara fight all around the room where the Titan souls are in their little tiny containers being used to channel their power for the fight. Each one of these These are all Antorus. in essence, spoilers,
0: by the way, folks. Yes, but, you know, sorry. we warned you.
1: We warned you. Uh, but these are all, in essence, circles of stars. I think that this goes back to that original wound, that original wound that was then agitated by Deathwing. We're seeing a piece of Azeroth's soul. We're seeing a piece of the world soul. This is important. Uh, this also comes down to a confirmation of this where. Uh, you start looking at the nightmares of Azeroth when we go back a little bit with the, the Emerald Nightmare, right? Go to the event that happened in Sholazar Basin with Magni, where there's a whole bunch of tortured dreams from Azeroth herself. This comes back to that original wound. Old gods burrow down. They burrow down to the center of the world, where the world soul lays. Go back to the audio drama. The world soul is described in visions as having found a warm sun and then the planet forming around it like an eggshell. The middle of the center is the world soul. We know that's how these at this point now we have confirmation that this is how Titan eggs essentially are, are formed. Old gods burrowing down is because they know what they're looking for. They have to get to the center of it. Right now we go back to the old god stuff just a little bit more. I don't think Nazoth's prison was a physical one like the other old gods. I think it was the slumber. And I think that the nightmare was a threat, but he was mostly contained, mostly on sort of that plane. And this is why he needed agents like Xavius and Queen Azshara to do his bidding or its bidding. We don't know what an old god gender is, but its bidding to affect the outside world. It had limited push. It was contained for the most part. We woke that up. We woke that up. And I think he's heading straight for that soul of Azeroth. And in that aftermath, I think that's partially what we're going to be dealing with. Now, the other side of that coin is, I think Sargeras might have known this, because with everything we've been doing, the Legion's been on the planet. They've been on Azeroth, they've been observing, they've been seeing what's going on, and if Sargeras has had any inkling of any sort of feeling of what's happening on the planet, I'm fairly confident he would have felt when whatever prison that Nazoth was bound to, whether it was the slumber or anything, broke. He's still a titan. I think that the infection from Sargeras' sword at the end of all of this is an attempt to stop whatever the plan of the old God is to getting to the soul of Azeroth. I think it's a, a, a race between the two for vying for control, whether it's going to be a fell Titan or a Void Titan, or in our case, a real Titan to fight both fell and void. And I think that the coming of the storm is that vying of control, because if you go back to what happened with the well of eternity and you go back with the sundering and everything that happened in between the whole world shuddered. you go back to Deathwing bursting out of deep home, the entire world shuddered. not just the places around it, everywhere shuddered. NPCs talk about this. You can go back to those catazones everywhere. They felt the earth shake, not just when he was there doing damage himself. I think that Azeroth is infected and sick and that the storm that we're going to have to deal with is basically that whole thing coming to a fulmination where void fell and us are all going to have to deal with Azeroth essentially being sick, shaking, and I'm, I'm going to guess some form of like either Geostorm or something else. It is going to be a perfect storm of culmination between everything. That's the TLDR version.
0: Okay. I have a question for the two of you. Okay. Um, And this is going off of the spoilers that obviously Blizzard whoopsie put out there. Um, Jesse, I'm going to ask you this first, and then I'm going to ask Joe. When, so obviously we know Sargeras, apparently in his last spiteful act, he threw his sword at Azeroth, correct?
1: With you so far. Jesse? Yes.
0: Okay. (laughs) So we know that he threw his sword at Azeroth. It plunged through the world. Do you guys, Jesse, do you think that that was a spiteful act? Or do you think that that was Sargeras making one last desperate attempt to either A, kill the world soul before the old gods could get to it, or B, kill the old god that was left in the planet. Like, was this, do you think that this was a spiteful act, or do you think that this was like his Hail Mary pass to try and stop what he knew was coming?
2: Obviously, we're from our perspective, we're going to see it as nothing but good, but from our outside perspective, like not character perspective, but outside perspective, that's always been his goal. Number one goal is to stop the void so if what joe said is true and Nazoth's like on the move he's on his on his wriggling wiggling move towards the center center of the earth uh and sargeras knew about that that uh, it's it's curious that he aimed uh, who knows if he aimed but if he did aim why did he aim for Sylphus? i
1: think it's exactly opposite of where we are supposed to be, I think. Like, if you look at it as a, a sphere, I have a feeling that if we looked at an actual globe of it, Silithus would be poised exactly opposite of wherever Nizo's slumbering prison was. Working theory.
0: Okay. The other question that I had, um, this wound in the world that he has is, he is put into place here, do you think that wound was to stop the old gods, or uh-oh, all of a sudden the old gods have a direct line to Azeroth's world soul through the sword.
1: I don't think it's that, per se, because he... he
0: kind of cracked the eggshell in a really significant manner here, he, is what he I'm did. saying.
1: He did, but I don't think it's what we think if it is, mean... If you look at the I mean, map
0: file, it's a big hole. <laughs> it is.
1: It really is. But I, I think that it's it's more him racing to complete his goal because i don't think he would do something to endanger azeroth necessarily and the only reason i say that is because there are several hints that he he was infatuated almost with with azeroth after a fashion and that i believe that he believed that azeroth was the linchpin to his 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 plans to stopping the void and at the end of the day he had a mission. Everything he did was in service to this mission. All of the the crazy messed up things he did, the, the whole of the Burning Legion, was to complete this mission. But he lacked the one piece he needed. The one thing, the absolute positive thing that he needed to complete it. And we know this because we know he had Argus. That That's a world soul. He could have done this anywhere else. Why was he so fixated on Azeroth? Because Azeroth was the biggest, the most powerful, and the necessary piece to his puzzle. I think this was the bid of his final desperate act to complete his mission because and again, this is spoilers, folks. At the end of everything, he's trapped. He's not dead. He's not destroyed because we know from this point now, Titans really don't die necessarily. He's trapped with all the others. What best way to say I told you so told you so than to say my plan worked. I think that's what
2: happens.
0: Okay, you got anything else to add to that, Jesse?
2: I've been trying to rack my brain on why they didn't end up killing Sargeras, and as we know, he doesn't die at the end of Antorus. Um, especially with an expansion called Legion, you know, this is this would be the time for a big, grand old defeat, and and not that defeating a titan in the form of Argus isn't a big accomplishment, but I'm like, why? Why do they? What do they got planned for Sargeras? And going off of what Joe just said, if he's been put in prison, if so, he can kind of have a. I told you so moment, uh, if so they can watch uh, Sargeras' plan come to fruition, or you know, doesn't come to fruition because let's say he didn't hit the mark well enough, or didn't aim, or his you know he he missed his target or whatever. I'm I'm starting to, I'm starting to wonder if his if if his whole throwing the sword was a spiteful act. You're you're making me reconsider why, because I've been trying to think like why would they spare Sargeras, and now I'm starting to reconsider everything.
0: <laughs> we, do <that> <laughs> we do that here.
2: Excellent!
1: We do that here. We
0: turn people for loops. Um, So I'm going to just kind of like roll back a little bit. We're going to reverse a little bit. And we're going to go back to that uh, dialogue that was kind of data of mind with the whole wound thing where uh, Kagar was talking about those who seek to rule the world will stop at nothing to possess it because, you know, you're looking at the blood of a titan here, right? Um, So... Uh... The last time we saw Sylvanas Windrunner... <laughs> <laughs> yup! I'm just gonna... I'm, we're just gonna talk about that. The last time we saw Sylvanas Windrunner, she was looking for a lantern that would let her command the Valkyr and in theory that would help her preserve her race and like extend their life because they can't means... procreate or anything like that. They well, have to no... go back
1: to the earlier thing, we speculated that the, 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 the lantern was Titan in origin as well. too. Right!
0: Well, then the thing is, is is like, the thing is, is like, obviously she didn't get it because Gen destroyed it. And we haven't heard anything from her since. But one would presume that she's kind of ticked off because she doesn't have the Valkyr at her disposal anymore. But she still has this task that she's on with almost laser minded focus, and and this is Sylvanas's M.O. I mean, this has been her M.O. ever since she became the Banshee Queen. The, The first thing that she was after, what was she after? She was after vengeance. Vengeance on Arthas for what he had done to her. She achieved that in Wrath. And in Wrath, she said, okay, well, I guess I did what I set out to do, and went to kill herself. And then she came to this realization that she was leaving behind these people who needed a leader. She was leaving behind these people who were nothing more than cannon fodder to everyone else. And she couldn't do that. She couldn't bring herself to do that. She made this deal with a Valkyr to extend her own life, and in turn, bring more Forsaken into play. So, new Forsaken when you roll a Forsaken now you are actually risen by a Valkyr one of her Valkyr she has a limited number they are dwindling what she was doing in Stormheim was trying to kind of replenish her numbers as far as the Valkyr are concerned so that she could keep the Forsaken alive because if she can't keep raising new Forsaken they will just die out and she doesn't want to let that happen Oh God. Okay, so now. Oh
1: God. Oh, <laughs> oh 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 oh.
0: Wouldn't a gigantic pool of Titan blood?
1: Titan forged, forsaken.
0: Wouldn't wouldn't that just kind of like solve all of her problems? And, I'm just saying. And we saying. have facilities.
1: Well, hold on a second. We have facilities that we know exist. They're there. They're still operational. I Take mean, the blood of a Titan at... there. Oh oh.
0: You, you, you look at Pandaria and what the Mogu were doing with the whole flesh-shaping thing and whatnot. Like, we know what they're capable of. Sylvanas knows what Titan blood is capable of. She knows what the Titans are capable of. This is what she has been studying. Um, I'm just wondering if she's going to be after whatever is coming out of Azeroth right now. Like, should we be concerned about that? I probably. feel like we should be concerned about that. We
2: probably should.
0: Jesse, what do you think?
2: When I heard Cadgar say that line, she was the first person to come to mind. Right? <laughs> the people who seek to rule this world will stop at nothing. And I was like...
0: I don't know if they, Sylvanas like, just... even really wants to rule the world, but she wants to keep her people going.
2: Well, she wants Valkyrie to keep herself, going, like right? yeah, keep herself going first. Yeah, keep herself going first. I was just getting there in that the Valkyr, mm-hmm. she's, she's A, pissed off, forged. Uh, with her actions in Stormheim, we've never we haven't yeah. seen the follow up of you know um, uh, year was pissed at us for helping her when we go into the in- when we go into the halls of Valor dungeon. Imagine how angry year is at Sylvanas herself. Uh, so with Ooh. oh yeah no no oh good. okay keep going. Um, so what I was going off of that was the second Cadgar said those lines. I thought Sylvanas. Uh, I didn't think Titanforged Forsaken, though. That would be cool, especially if she kind of goes back to the uh, the original, not so much spoopy, gray, dead Valkyrie, but if she tries to go back kind of playing off of the Forge Valkyrie. Um, but I'd be curious to see how, how would she go about uh, harnessing that energy? Well, I so could... interesting thought.
0: Mm, go real, ahead.
2: Real quick.
1: Helya's dead. We killed her. Mm-hmm. There's an opening there hmm. We know that Helia was created by Odin uh, against her will after Odin made a deal with somebody from the Shadowlands to learn how to do this type of stuff. Sylvanas is very close to the Shadowlands. What if something's chirping in her ear and that's what she's been doing the entire time? If she gets her hands on that, she could become the new Helia. Then she doesn't have to worry. She can create an infinite number of bodies for Forsaken. She can create an infinite number of Valkyr. She can do what she set out to do. It would be an ultimate completion of her goal.
0: She can do that thing that she did to Nathanos that required Uh a certain amount of sacrifice. To all of them. Yeah, she won't have to sacrifice anything because the world's already.
1: She'll be tapped directly into the power source. It'll be like she's chomping on 9-volt batteries. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Ew.
1: I could see her totally taking up that that mantle, and okay, that but would also be interesting. How is the rest interesting...
0: of the horde going to feel about this? That's what I want to know. Because
1: Camp, campfire for war chief? I mean, I, I got nothing because like I think that's going to be they're rapidly
0: running out of options to shove into that war chief position because it seems like Although, everybody that they put there dies.
1: <laughs> this would be a really good opportunity to go back to what we talked about last week and bring in some actual, like, to god, troll leadership.
0: Mm, maybe. Um I'm I'm kind of curious about this, though, particularly, see, this is one of these things that I hope is kind of addressed in the novel, which is why I find the title kind of interesting when it's talking about Before the Storm. Um, obviously, we're talking about impending doom of some kind or another. Well, we've got several plot points that could be carried forward into a novel. One of them is obviously the reunion between the Windrunner sisters, because honestly, I don't know if that would have as much of an emotional impact if it was shown in game as it would in a novel. Um, you guys have both read War Crimes, right? I'm Multiple assuming. times. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the dynamic between Varisa and Sylvanus in that book was... Uh, part of the reason that book worked so well for me was that that particular reunion and how they interacted with each other. And we got a much deeper look at what was going on in Sylvanus's head and what was going on in Varisa's head, for that matter. So... I could see them carrying that into a novel rather than doing it in game because you get much more emotional impact that way. Um,
1: To tie it back to the earlier thing that we were talking about with with the sub races, her leaving the horde after that confrontation like would make sense. And if Alaria or or any of either of them like takes up leadership on one side on there, that could be how that happens. I don't know. Uh, there's 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 um, a thread
0: there but that's just one of the threads though there are like other threads out there and the mm-hmm. other thread that really kind of intrigues me just going back to Sylvanas I keep going back to Sylvanas because she was kind of a big player in Stormheim and then we didn't hear anything about her And she's also supposedly the leader of the Horde, but what have we seen her do? We saw her do the Stormheim stuff, and that was it. The thing is, is she was somehow destined to take this role because Vol'jin was talking to whatever hoodoo he was talking to that whispered a name to him, and that name was Sylvanas, and he made her war chief. And then there have been implications, like people have said flat out, that Vol'jin's story was not done yet. Okay, well, if Volgen's story is not done yet, then okay, I could see them pulling that into a novel, right? And I could
1: totally see what was whispering to him not being a Loa, but being something since he was on Death's door, essentially something, being from, the something from the Shadowlands. Yep, <laughs> set this whole thing up from the beginning. <laughs> oh no! Which could potentially also tie into what we were talking about before with everything is if awful. The, <laughs> with what if the Witch King was actually something different than just a? a fell entity of the burning legion. What if it was an older entity, something that existed beforehand, something also tied to the void.
0: Right. And then the other thing that, um, the other plot point that obviously, well, no, there's a couple of them actually. Okay. First off, Rathion, where the heck is he? this was supposed to be his battle where did he go so I could see them take that up in a novel and Christy Golden has obviously she's written Rathion before he appeared in War Crimes so she's familiar with the character and I would like to see that addressed somewhere his absence why is he absent where did he go what is he doing um also Jaina Proudmore. Golden's written Proudmore before successfully several times over and been very good with Jaina um after all of this is said and done and over with, I feel like we have to go back to Jaina. Like where is she? Mm-hmm. What has she been doing? She hasn't been doing nothing in all this time. I can't I can't oh. accept that she'd be doing nothing.
1: And magically, we uh, speaking of spoilers and data mine stuff, Kiran Tor armor has made an appearance onto the list of things Not that Not Kiran Tor. Or I'm sorry, Altirus. Uh, Altirus. My 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 apologies. My brain is going in two no, different directions. No, that's okay. But yeah, no, Kul armor is now a thing, apparently, which leads us to believe that, or at least leads me to believe that, yeah, we're going to be hearing from Jaina really darn soon. Are we going to get the floating pirate island kingdom? I mean, (laughs) mean, I'll settle for for a a floating armada, like regular boats, but if you want to give me the floating island with my sky pirate queen Jaina, I'm all about that life. (laughs) Okay, Jesse, I need to like throw your
0: two cents in here because I feel like we've been talking all this time.
2: I'm just I'm, I'm just laughing at you guys. Um, I'm just thinking <laughs> there. To me, the main character of Before the Storm is going to be Jaina Sylvanas, and I th- I want Anduin to be involved. I think I I really want to see. Oh God, yeah, me too. Oh, we haven't heard between. anything from that
0: little goober in a while. And we either. Were
2: promised that in the comic. Blizzard, come on, continue. I think I'd love to see t- uh, what how Toralian and and Anduin get along. Um... I'm I'm never gonna be sick of of Grandpa Grandpa Velen. Like if he 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 does not have to leave the fore front front light ever. So I'd like to see him in the story, but I honestly think that the main characters of the book are gonna be Jaina, Illyria, and Sylvanas. It's gonna be a lady show, I think. And I yes, I, I know people people keep saying it, but I think that Sylvanas' time is, is up this this expansion. I think she's gonna make her final move on the blood of Azeroth. That's not going to go well with the rest of the Horde or the rest of the world. And I think that the Nathanos short story and with Nathanos feeling regret at the end of the story, feeling sickened, I think that that's setting some little breadcrumbs.
0: Do you think that he would lead the Forsaken?
2: I don't know if they were setting him up to lead the Forsaken or if they were setting up for almost like him to be involved in her takedown. That'd be that'd be neat because he's one of the most iconic I'm going to go off on a side tangent but come back to this. And I I one of the things I loved about Legion is the the scatter-minded direction of all the storylines how there's because there's so many different character storylines with the class campaigns.
0: They gave us a lot of breadcrumbs, a lot
2: they did, an absolute, and a lot of them were very minor, but very mind-blowing moments. Like when Alanza's fowl walked out from behind the tombstone, and he's like, yo, what up, I'm alive, but I'm dead. I was like, uh, <laughs> ah, <Yeah. laughs> excuse me, Uh you've been gone for 20 years, and and, you, and you're just kind of like, hey, yo, what up? And then Callie Amenethil, yes, that Callie Amenithil, oh, I'm supposed to bl- bl- just blink twice at her? Like, these little little characters that they brought back, you know, Arator being involved, and Lothraxian being involved, I think it was ways to introduce characters for future storylines, and I mm-hmm. don't think Calia Menethil was a coincidence. I don't think Alonzo's foul being introduced to the storyline again was a coincidence. Sure, he sure he's involved as as a priest in the priest campaign. That's going to be a hundred percent irrelevant come next expansion when he's no longer focused on the conclave and the artifact weapons, but rather. A different side to the Forsaken. He's even though he's he's he doesn't identify as a Forsaken, he's not part of the Forsaken, but he's not like um who's that mage in the Mage can um uh Merrill Merrill Felstorm or whatever. Like yeah, he's Meryl. undead, but he's not undead. Like he's just really old and kept alive by magic. He's not actually Forsaken Undead, while Alonza's Fowl was killed and resurrected by the Scourge. So I think Blizzard purposefully introduced a lot of these characters, not just Alonza's follower, Calia, but so many of our followers as cookie-crumb characters for later on in the storyline. And I think Calia has a big role to play eventually. And I think just because introducing her out of nowhere in 8.0, a little bit like, where'd you come from? So they introduced her slowly into Legion, and she's kind of like, no, 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 I am not. I don't care about Lord Ron, and you don't really hear much about it. That's a lot of crap. I think that she's, her and Fowler are... I think, going to be involved. I would hope to be involved in the Forsaken plotline when Sylvanas inevitably starts to go a little uh, little Hellscream.
0: So, man, it seems kind of like... I don't know how I feel about that. Because the thing is, is we've had the whole Horde Civil War thing go on before. Um, obviously, we did the whole Garrosh Hellscream, Siege of Orgrimmar. We did that. We, we've been there, done that. So I don't necessarily part of me says oh that's kind of a retread isn't it but at the same time sylvanas has been quietly doing all of this stuff and getting away with it for how long so maybe it's about time she got some form of comeuppance
2: exactly and that's my problem i love sylvanas as a character Mm, but but she's
0: so problematic
2: she's so problematic and people are like (laughs) you know she's 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 not that bad. You know, Garrosh bombed the, the veil vale of Eternal Blossom. Garrosh like... was straightforward. He didn't have plots within
1: plots within plots. He was a freight train that had one direction and went. Sylvanas, you have no idea what she's doing. She is ultimately more dangerous.
2: She is so much more dangerous. And, and her... I say this as somebody who loves Sylvanas. Same. She's her your actions... problematic fave. <laughs> her actions in Stormheim, people don't realize. Like, she's pissed off a and attached to that, she's pissed off Odin. Presumably, Odin is not happy with no. the Forsaken whatsoever,
0: I, and I, I highly I, doubt that he's really keen on that.
2: No, not at all. And I think, especially with one thing I noticed in the Nathano short story was, well, aside from the fact that all the Windrunner sisters seem to have a thing for human men, yes, was that she, the prisoner she took, because she need, she made it, she made note that. The sacrifice needed to be blood-related. But they could have made Nathana... It was his nephew, I think. His nephew or his cousin. Nephew. Uh, nephew. They could have made his nephew just a Stormwind Paladin. They could have made him anything. But they made him Argent. They made him yep. a neutral faction. Specific. And I found that to be like, ooh, like that's just another group. She's pissed off. The Ebon Blade is pissed off at her. Odir, oh the Valajar, and Iir are pissed at her. And now the Argents are pissed at her. Not to mention... Everyone on the alliance side, so as and Andy, half the horde, like and, let's and, be honest, and half the horde, yeah, that's it, it, complete. Uh, you know, the um, what's his name? Um, Lorthamar does not give two pirate sh- ghosts about Sylvanas whatsoever, <laughs> swears. Um, sorry, sorry,
0: it's okay. We're just gonna <laughs> have really, several pirate ghosts in this episode. I really,
2: I get really passionate about no. Sylvanas because I love her, yeah, but I, I go off on tangents. So, anyway, um, she Blizzard cannot just keep avoiding the fact. That she's she's so problematic, and oh, she's gonna get away. I don't want her to get away with it. I don't want there to be a neutral truce. I mm-hmm. want to see these storylines come to an end. I want to see a finale to Stormheim. I want to see Greymane connect a few punches. I want to see Illyria get involved in there. I,
1: the I want
2: to. See...
1: The thing that gets Go me ahead. about that too is like we talked about this a while ago, where we don't want Jaina to come back as a villain. We don't need that if you need a big bad because Sylvanas fills that role already. She's already a prime villainess. Like she she is perfect for that role already because She's of been her problematic. Walking that line
0: yeah. For so long. For so long. And I, I I hate to see her go away. I don't I don't really want her to go away. I, I don't know what I that's, think if that's that's the thing about Sylvanas. For, her, if she thing. makes
1: way for her sisters though. Yeah. I'm okay. But...
0: With it. That's the thing about Sylvanas as a character, though, is that part of what makes Sylvanas so intriguing is that she is such a sympathetic character. Because the things that happened to her, she had no control over those things from happening. And it feels like the majority of her unlife, life w- if we want to call it that, has been kind of this path of rigorous, ironclad control. Like, she couldn't She couldn't stop her own death. She couldn't stop the Scourge from getting into Silvermoon, corrupting the Sunwell, all uh, the horrible things that happened to the High Elves. Um, She couldn't prevent any of that no matter how hard she tried. So what did she do? She fought back. And as soon as Arthas, excuse me, as soon as the Lich King had that tiny, tiny moment of weakness, she snapped in, took advantage of that, and started working on a plan. A solid plan. And you know, I know I've said that she has, like, a laser focus. It's because she does. Like, she has, like, this iron, rigid control over over her life and her destiny. And she followed that all the way through Wrath of the Lich King. She followed that and watched Arthas fall and then kind of, like, had this moment, like, this conflict internal conflict where it was like well what now I guess now there's nothing okay well I guess I'll end it here and then when she finds out that no when you end it here that's when you get to spend eternity in eternal darkness with that dude that you were seeking vengeance against yeah he's here too you get to spend all of eternity with his soul have fun with that and she didn't want that for for good reason right So Mm -hmm. what does she do when she comes back from that? She gets another plan to just focus on, you know, so that she's got that control. And it's always been about that control. So it makes her, I mean, obviously the things that she wants to do are kind of horrific. But at the same time, you can almost understand them, because when you look at the forsaken, the forsaken in and of themselves are probably one of the most interesting races, and I'm unquoting here because technically it's not a race, it's like an offshoot of humanity. It's an undead offshoot of humanity. These people were all humans, they were all citizens of Lord Run at one point in time or another, and they died. They died horribly like in the worst possible fashion. And instead of being allowed to rest and go into the arms of the light or wherever they go after they die, they were pulled back as these mindless slaves to the scourge, forced to kill their own brothers and sisters and friends and, you know, co-workers, neighbors, whatnot. They didn't didn't have any control over what they were doing. And when they were snapped out of it, they realized the magnitude of what they had done And also the fact that they can never go home again. There is no home anymore. There's no place in the world for them. Period. There's nothing for them. And it makes the Forsaken this really intriguing offshoot. Because you feel terrible for the circumstances that led them to where they are. But the actions that they are taking after realizing this are 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 horrible <laughs> like they're just terrible everything that the forsake forsaken do is is hor the plagues that they develop it's horrible um so i don't I don't know if I want them to get rid of Sylvanas because like I said she's such an intriguing character she really is um but she's been walking this fine line for so long.
1: The other thing that I would say about that and and the other reason I'd be okay if she became a a what if she stepped over that line and stayed on the other side of that line is because of things you said with her being driven, her having a plan, her being a general, most of the fights that we've had over the years have been mad creatures of, of plots within plots, within plots with convoluted outcomes and and various different things that are all going on at the same time. Uh, Closest we've gotten to a villain that actually knew, like what they were doing in a fight in organizing a large mobile force, something that was scary was Garrosh. And I would argue that he's was one of the better villains that we faced over the many years, simply because he had sort of that general's touch. It's the same thing with like the Lich King, even though that descended into sort of this madness. If you keep her mind about her and you make it so that she's not succumbing to a madness, she's not succumbing to uh, like this, an outside force that's, exerting control on her and making her do things against her will again because that's boring but you make it these are choices she is making because it is what she believes is best it becomes a a further compelling story and i'm okay with that being a villain because at the end of the day if i question you know was i right to stop her then you've done a good job. And I would be absolutely okay with a story that ended like that, where if I'm sitting there and I have serious questions about what I just did, because that's another thing that we have not done as player characters ever in any of the expansions, any of the end fights, we have never stopped to consider the ramifications of the things that we have done Give me something that emotionally invests me in that person, in that villain, that, that, that fight, that thing that we're reaching for to, to stop at all costs and have us give that, give us that moment of what was the cost? Was this what we needed to do? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? I want that emotional pull. I want that story to have that cap. And if she is going to go, it is the perfect way to end her story as far as I'm concerned, it started with this emotional gut punch, end it with an emotional
2: gut punch.
0: Okay, Jesse, I want you to jump in on this. Just thoughts on Sylvanas in general.
2: Thoughts on Sylvanas in general. Okay. Um,
0: And where you think her story is headed. Do you think she's headed towards this path of like, we're going to have to beat her up at some point?
2: Yes. Uh, And although I've been saying that for a while, Stormheim is what actively stands up in my mind. I loved the Nathano short story. And the part of me and actually when you guys I, I wanted to jump in here, but I kind of got distracted by what you guys were saying. Totally a, a side thought. No, feel
0: free to horn in on us at any point.
2: When you guys said earlier that if if she had the powers of the Shadowlands and she didn't she didn't need to do that big necessary sacrifice that she did in the Nathano short story, instantly I thought, and this is going back to the very beginning of the conversation Man, Nathanos player sub races having undead that look like that would be cheesy because it's just a human model, right? right With red but... eyes. But that would make her 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 ghost or her what are they called? Her dark rangers playable. That that little thought just popped in my mind, going, huh, cool. Anyway, not relevant. Uh, really, where her story going? I think that we're going down a path where we're eventually going to need to beat her up, and I'm glad that they. If they do go that way, I'm glad that her sister's now back in the storyline, and I won't accept anything less than a Sylvanas, Illyria, Verisa encounter before that happens. I want to definitely see it in the book, but part of me also wants to see it in a Terran cinematic. That'd be pretty, like, to oh, see that on yeah. screen, to see the emotion, you know, like like Terran said, it's it's hard to convey the emotions of, of Sylvanas, because you know Garrosh, although he's an orc, orcs have feelings and humans have feelings, and as as a, a banshee, Sylvanas is pretty dead and cold, and she's got her feelings, but it's like a very thin line. So I think seeing Sylvanas on screen with Varissa, we saw that in War Crimes. Not to say it's not a big deal, but to see her dance a fight with Illyria, not like not an actual like one v one fight, that'd be pretty cool too. But to see a, a, an actual cinematic between them or a dialogue conversation between them, I want to hear the emotion there. Um, but I I do think we are going down a path where Sylvanas will be a patch boss, she will be a content boss, final boss. I don't think so, but definitely there's there's no going back at this. What what could unless she does some big moment of sacrifice? But that's not in her character to sacrifice for other. Not for non-forsaken, maybe for Sylvanas. And I and I thought about. It. I actually got talking with I was on a different lore podcast. I'm on the But Wait There's Lore podcast. I was talking with them, and I was just spewing garbage out of my mouth. And I said, "What if? What if you know Sylvanas tries to do what she did with Illyria uh, or Varissa, rather, and tries to bring Illyria into the fold? And Illyria tells her to to shove it. And so Sylvanas goes after the one thing that could convince Illyria." or the one thing she didn't realize, that Sylvanas goes after Erator instead. Ooh! Ooh! And hang on, hang on, hang on. This And this is just me really speculating, but from the... Child you know, of light and dark! From from the um, audio drama, Illyria sees visions of Eretor and Teralian, or maybe it's Turalyon who sees those visions, but there's one scene where she sees... Eretor leading an army of paladins against her and then her arrows slip into like just bury into his neck and it's a possibility one of the futures and I thought like her arrows are pretty identifiable as void arrows but what if they weren't Illyria's arrows? What if they were Sylvanas' arrows? And she was actually seeing Sylvanas killing her own son which would push Illyria over the edge against her sister.
0: Oh no. <laughs>
2: That and would, my co that and would my, make me sad. Because uh, it, all it said was her arrows, and it said her arrows. So it fl- blatantly said her, like Alaria's arrows. Fair, but what, 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 what kind of uh, what sort of features, I guess, would would maybe Aleria only has a specific arrow? But I thought void arrows at first, and then I thought, well, the only people we've seen fire void arrows before her is Sylvanas, and maybe they're not void, but they're like a shadowy magic arrow or her dark. Yeah, shadow magic.
1: The, the black arrows. Yeah. And I thought. Because Dark
0: Rangers, yeah.
2: Exactly. So, what if Illyria tells her sister no? And so Sylvanas turns <laughs> to Erator, and Erator says no. Or Erator, leading. Maybe Erator steps up as leader of the Argents, leads the siege against Sylvanas, and he dies in the process. There's your Void
1: Elves. Just thinking about it Dark Rangers. If Sylvanas oh. becomes the villain and they are no longer loyal to her, and Illyria comes in as the Void Hunter, and is leading that charge against her sister from the other side and goes to them they're already pretty darn close to the void yes they live in the shadowlands yes they are undead that's not that far of a stretch they're already one step off this material plane okay mm. we're going to put a pause
0: <laughs> put a pause on all of that because that's just kind of to think about um we're we're reaching the end of our time here but um before we wrap things up, I would like to know. We've had several guesses as to what the next expansion is going to be about, and it's always been Ashara, always been the old gods, we've thrown in like maybe, oh, maybe the Lich King is going to come into play because Bolvar is obviously doing something up there, or, you know, maybe there's something going on with all that chromie mess, what's, what's going on, you know, that kind of thing. We've had like several different obvious paths. Now, I've been really heavily on the old gods kind of um, train here and a lot of that had to do with the dudes that popped up in Dalaran and they were all going a little bit cuckoo all those guys are gone now they're not around anymore if you go into Dalaran and you run around Dalaran everybody's okay again which makes me kind of question everything that I had been thinking before so what do we think the next expansion is going to be about Jesse you go first
2: well I, I won't resort to the obvious as Culture as Jaina answer because I I think that's a given. But i overall, I think one of the the overlying themes of it is going to be just as Legion focused on classes. I think 8.0 is going to focus on races, and I think the whole racial customization sub races is actually going to be tied both game mechanics and lore wise. Because I got into this conversation earlier. You know, we've always had that moment of that faction pride of, of for the Horde or for the Alliance, you know, that real moment where you feel like you were a true badass of your, of, of your faction, whether it's on Drenor and you were leading your garrison or whether it's you're leading your clash but you're still representing your faction. We've never had that for a race before. We've never felt like I am the champion of the Sindora. Yeah. There's been times where you, you might get a title relevant to your race or whatever. Um, you know, the, the, uh, I think there's a Blood Knight title or the Blood Knight Tavern or something like that. There's certain things that are a little bit racially customized, but I think, and I would love to see the races uniting. I don't want to see like the Horden Alliance splinter, though it would be cool to see a little bit of kind of standalone armies. I want to see the Tauren doing something. I want to see the Draenei and the Lightforge bring back their technology to Azeroth. And go on the offensive, you know, they maybe just, you know, light-forged turrets attacking Naga or something. That'd be amazing. I want to see the Forsaken, the same Forsaken we saw in Cataclysm on their relentless war march through Lordaeron. I want to see that again. And I want to see an appropriate alliance answer. I don't want to see one little fight in the Worgen Zone. I want to see Greymane and... uh, uh, oh Sky Admiral Rogers I want to see all those people on ships just duking it out race racial wise I want to see the worgen doing their thing uh, I think that's one thing I want to see in the next expansion you know without saying Azara, Nazoth and Kul I want to see the races stand up I want to see the denizens of Azeroth stand up with a little bit of unique flair to them uh, goblins of undermine pop up I want to see I, what are the trolls up to what are Who's leading the Trolls right now? Sarfang, stand up. What are you doing, Sarfang? That's what I want to say. I want to say a focus on the individual races of the Alliance and Horde. This would kind of
0: be a good place to establish that too? Because there have been so many switches like changing of the guard as far as who is leading what subrace? Because Vol'jin's gone. We don't know who's leading the Trolls right now. Um, Obviously Garrosh is gone and Thrall is gone. The orcs, I don't think that they have like a a leader that they've like set in stone and said, yeah, this is our representative. I think Saurfang is kind of like stepping into that role right now. But I don't think that he's ever been declared that in any kind of official capacity. Um, And then obviously Anduin is king now uh, of humanity. Well, of Stormwind. But he's also got Gen there, and Gen is still dealing with, like, the dregs of his people, and the fact that they don't really have a home right now. I mean, there's just, there's kind of a lot going on, and, you know, there's, there was that whole dynamic shift in Ironforge, with the Council of Three Hammers being reestablished. Um, Varian put that in place. With Varian gone, are they going to stay put? Are they going to keep doing the whole council thing? Is that working for them? Or is Moira's child going to come of age? Like, what's going to happen there? Um, what's going to happen with Magni? That kind of thing. So I could see them focusing on, like, this seems like a good point in time to kind of establish those guidelines and kind of emphasize that whole racial connection between the various races and that kind of thing. Cause I did, I did like the whole class identity kind of thing about Legion. So I could see them going the same route with races. Um, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe. What do you think we're going to see in the next expansion? What do you think it's going to be about? A little bit of
1: everything at this point. Like there's so many things going on. I think it's going to be a Legion 2.0 again, where I don't think it's going to have one definitive villain because I think it's going to shift like we've been talking. I think there's going to be a lot of culminations of a lot of different storylines that have been out there for decades at this point, because we're already starting to see the trajectory in Legion towards them. And Legion has already done a good job of tying those up. And I think that they're just going to continue that through. I think we're going to get a little bit of the old God stuff. I think we're going to get a whole bunch of Sylvanas stuff. I think we're getting a whole bunch of Jaina stuff. How that all pieces together is a whole other question, but we're definitely going to get uh, it's going to feel titanic and epic at a local level, if that makes sense. Like we've been out in the cosmos, we've been battling on other planets, we've been fighting gods because we can. But sometimes it's the things that happen in our own backyard that are going to present that that emotional connection, whether it's the reestablishing of races, which I think is going to be something because there's, there's too much happening there, even in the current storylines for that to go untouched. Uh, Legion has left a lot of, of questions and threads that need to be followed up on. And I hope that they do. I want more troll story that matters because that's another race. We haven't heard from in a while. Um, I want racial stuff that matters. I want that identity for all of them to be fleshed out. I want Uh, not necessarily an end cap to the old god story, but we've already got a little cookie there. I wanna see that sort of lead to the rest of the cookie jar and get a payoff from that. And yeah, I wanna see that that end cap with Sylvanas. I wanna see something involving that.
0: Okay. Well I think we should probably start wrapping it up here because we I think we're even a little over time, but um who cares? It's a lore show. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. And if you like the show and if you'd like to continue supporting the show, Audible is actually offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, War Crimes is one of the audiobooks that's available as part of that 30 day trial you can download that and listen to it if you haven't I highly recommend it because it feels like it's going to be relevant and even if it's not it's good anyway uh, you can download many of Blizzard's titles as well as many others and all you have to do is go to blizzardwatch.com slash audible and you can sign up there for your 30 day trial Jesse um thank you very much first off for coming in and, and guesting with us because it was really appreciated. I want you to tell people how they can find you and all the things that you do.
2: Well, thank you for having me in. It was really fun. I hope I can come back. Um, hopefully I didn't cross off too many strikes on my, on my square board. On my square
1: board there. There's no, gonna be he's... so many
2: pirate ghosts in this episode. Hold
1: on a second. You just don't realize how many drinks you owe Anne now. At the next BlizzCon, we're all there.
2: That—that's just what I'm saying. You know what? That's a fair deal. We're that's a okay. Fair deal. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 glow in the dark toonie for her crosses off one, so I think I owe her six more. Oh, okay, like, just... there we go. <laughs> um, people can find me. I'm the uh, I'm the writer, director, and narrator for uh, the Lost Codex YouTube channel uh you can find us at youtube.com slash the lost codex uh we do uh stream on twitch uh twitch.tv slash lost lore um we don't have a stream schedule but when we stream we usually premiere our episodes on twitch uh we give a little bit of notice uh so anyone who wants to see the episode before it goes onto youtube can tune into the live stream on twitch in which uh, i then sit around and talk to people answer questions talk about the episode um we do have a patreon as well if you want to support what we do patreon.com slash the lost codex twitter.com slash the lost codex instagram.com slash the lost codex and now i'll be premiering this week we are going to be making a lost codex snapchat because i will be snapchatting blizzcon and people got i'll talk to people at blizzcon and rather than posting it in vlog form i'll be doing it live so people can kind of see as it's happening um can i can i plug my next video is that cool then is that is that yes. a thing you can do Okay, uh, my next video. Well, we're doing two, hopefully, before we leave for BlizzCon. Um, The producer and the editor and the artist for the Lost Codex, uh, Jeff, he lives in the Netherlands. He's leaving for BlizzCon this upcoming Saturday, and I'm leaving a week tomorrow morning. So, we plan to put out a video tomorrow. What's the day day, today? Sunday. On Tuesday, Um, it's another Holocore episode. So, it's about weapons, and it's about a very certain weapon that Joe mentioned earlier. This is a certain quote about a circle of stars um this episode is probably one of the coolest episodes we have ever done for a very trying not to spoil uh it's it's not a normal episode and it's not it's not narrated by me this time that's all i'm gonna say so it's a brand brand new episode and once when you when you realize who it's narrated by uh (laughs) you'll lose your pirate ghosts too Um Oh, and there's another pirate (laughs) goat. I'm sorry. You'll lose your That one's worth it. That one's worth it because you know what? You're gonna you're gonna love it. Um so tune in, uh anyone who's listening to this and you guys as well on the uh on the Tuesday. Don't have a time yet, but we are putting out the video then. The video will be live on Tuesday sometime Tuesday evening on YouTube if you can't make the stream. And then the other video we're doing is uh, hopefully before BlizzCon is history of the Eredar Part One. It's a very short video. It's only about five minutes, and it basically talks about uh, early early uh, meetings with the Naru and the Eredar. How the Eredar did have early contact with the Naru at least on a couple occasions because there are two artifacts out there, mm-hmm. not artifacts as in weapons, but two ancient Naru artifacts that they bestowed upon the Eredar. And I talk about valens kind of transitioned from arcane into dabbling to holy magic and then i stop i don't really go into much detail i, I mentioned kill jaden once and that episode is kind of different because it's not narrated again by me it's actually there's a little bit of voice acting going on there we we have we have a draenei narrate the episode instead of the normal lost codex presenter so it's actually going to be presented in character by an eridar uh that's all i'll give a little, little hint on that. So it's <laughs> instead of like me saying, you know, here's the history, it's going to be very first person and an Eridar talking from his perspective about his culture pre Sargeras. Um, and sorry, go ahead, Anne.
0: No, I was just going to say, and by the way, guys, if you haven't checked out the Lost Codex, I highly recommend it. The videos that they put out are just phenomenal. Um, I still, the Serumar one is still my favorite, but that's because I I have a thing for Nightborne.
2: No. (laughs) Fine, you. Um, so yeah, you can find me. We're everywhere. We're on Twitter. We're on actually Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, YouTube, Twitch, and Snapchat. Twitter is our main form of contact. We do answer any questions. Uh, you can find all of our connections on there. But we are starting to push people towards our Twitch because we do want to start streaming a lot more and premiering our episodes there. So this Tuesday, we are putting out a new episode, a very fun, exciting new episode before we go to BlizzCon.
0: So for people that are listening to this on Patreon, you'll be able to see that on Tuesday. For people that are listening to this on the website, you'll be able to go look it up on YouTube. It'll be there. Um However, yeah, I recommend, highly recommend following these guys, like, in all capacity, because they're very good at what they do. And I'm really excited about Zolotath. <laughs> I can't wait to see That's that it. one. Uh, speaking, about, uh, speaking of future content, obviously, the next lore watch that we record is going to be on the 5th of November. It's going to be directly after BlizzCon, and we will be talking about everything everything they mention on BlizzCon I may actually make this a special episode and release it on Patreon on Sunday as usual and then release it on the site on Monday because it it's going to be like BlizzCon centric however Rossi will be back for that so we'll all be able to chime in and talk about everything that we've seen which is probably going to be a lot we'll find out I guess we'll find out so let's see here before we wrap it up all together final thoughts I have a question for you two I'm going to ask Joe first. Jay,
1: okay.
0: Do you think in the event that we have some kind of showdown with Sylvanas, you think she can be redeemed?
1: Mm, that goes to what I earlier statement, is redemption what she needs? So I'm going to say it'll be offered and she will say no. Okay. Because I don't think she
2: wants to be redeemed, quote unquote.
0: Okay. Jesse, same question.
2: I actually, I like Joe's answer. I, I think she's going to say no, but I don't think, like, from an outside perspective, not in character perspective, I don't think that it's needed for her character. After all the stuff she's done for her to turn around, like, I, I don't see it happening, and I don't want it to happen. Not because they don't like the character. I love the character, but I think it would be a total betrayal of her character and the direction they've gone if at the last second they offer her redemption. I want her you've said she's been so She she's had that sniper scope to her eye on her mission and her goal the entire time and for her to pull away from that sniper scope at the last second that that just stands way out of character for Sylvanas and unless something that jarring happens I, I'm gonna stick with Joe's answer I'm gonna say she's gonna be offered and she's gonna say no and I think that's best out of character for her character even if it means the end of her character it means she goes out true and proper like Sylvana should and not catering to her massive fan base just to keep her around. Because as much as I love her and think she's awesome and her and everything she does, you're kinda of like, Ooh, what are you what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I wanna know more and I want you to stop, but I don't want you to stop kind of thing. I think that there is a line eventually that can't be crossed anymore.
0: I'm going to disagree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to say that she can be redeemed. It is possible. It's in there somewhere. We've seen glimmers of it here and there. We saw a little bit of a glimmer of it in War Crimes. We saw a little bit of a glimmer of sympathy and or emotion in the short story with Nathanos as well. And I feel like as we get these glimpses of who she was and as she gets more chances to look at who she was there's potential there and there's also potential there for Taryn Gregory and the rest of the cinematics team and also the story development team to completely rip our hearts out and stomp on them and give us this great emotional climax to this story that's just going to rip our hearts out and I'm here for it (laughs) but anyway that wraps us up for lore watch thank you guys very much for listening and we will see you again post blizzcon